We must constantly look at things in a different way. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast was created by two physical therapists out of the desire to learn more about the different educational roles in physical therapy and healthcare and how healthcare education works by talking with educational leaders and people with different perspectives within physical therapy and across interdisciplinary lines on how education can be improved to disrupt the status quo of healthcare education. This is our journey and thanks for listening. Are you a third-year physical therapy student that excels on tests when you have study guides, checklists, and deadlines? With all of the information available about how to prepare for the NPTE, it's easy to get disorganized and not feel prepared going into the big day. NPTE Prep Success is an online course that provides PT students easy-to-use study guides and step-by-step guidance through the NPTE preparation. To learn more, visit kylericeprep.com. Thank you again all for your continued support. And now for the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. F. Scott Field, and I'm joined today by Dr. Sean Clavel, and we have an interesting pathway to discuss. It's one that I've kind of been beating the drum on for the last couple of years. It's one that I hope my children will take my advice and follow. It's not looking good so far. They've all got big dreams and ideas of what they want to do, but I'm just going to be there to support them and hopefully give the advice that I should have taken back in the day. For those of you who know me, you know my my path to becoming a physical therapist and eventually a professor was was definitely a convoluted one. It was not the normal straight and narrow. I started out going to Wake Forest University down in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which was a private school. I was an English major, so that was weird. Then I took two years of state school classes at UNCG, UNC Greensboro there, just to get all the prereqs I needed to get into PT school. Then I got into a state PT school at East Carolina University, which was a master's at the time. They offered us the transitional doctorate if we stuck around another year. I started that program there and tried to finish it. But at the end of that program, my dad kind of got sick, had some heart problems. Uh, he ended up passing away. So I moved back down with my mom and, and to be with my brother and help my family out a little bit. And so I never actually finished the transitional doctorate at East Carolina because the window of opportunity closed. So I started working as a traveling physical therapist right out of the gate. Did that for about a year, a little bit more, a year and a half. Uh, while I was doing that, I enrolled at University of St. Augustine's transitional doctorate of PT program. And they actually took a couple of my classes from the ECU program. So that was kind of nice. It kind of knocked it down a little bit from, uh, I think about a three-year to a two-year program. And then after I finished my transitional doctorate of physical therapy, I ended up continuing on and going through St. Augustine's educational doctorate program. And, you know, at the time I had no desire to teach. It wasn't even on my radar, but after talking to the head of the EDD program, who eventually became a mentor of mine, you know, he kind of showed me that if my back gave out or my hands gave out or my knees gave out or whatever, and I couldn't perform manual therapy anymore, I just couldn't do physical therapy. I could eventually then turn to teaching. And so that's why I kind of pursued the EDD. It's all kind of worked out and come full circle as now I'm teaching full time and only working a little bit clinically these days. Because of all this, I now have $140,000 worth of student loan debt and two doctoral degrees that I wasn't really even sure that I wanted to use. So there was a little bit of time and nervousness and worrisome hours here and there, but really what it comes down to is just being able to leverage those degrees and utilize them to do whatever it is your passion is and and really dive deeper into that. And because of that, 
I've been able to start some side gigs and some side hustles that have allowed me to kind of help start paying down my student loans. Sean and I had kind of talked a little bit on social media about the pathway that I wish I had done, which was two years of community college, followed by two years of a state school, followed by probably a PT program that was also a state school or whatever the most affordable program was, had I to do it all over again. Because at the end of the day, I've been practicing for about 15 years now. And I can't say I've had one employer ask me where I went to PT school. They just don't care. They just want to know, are you licensed? Do you have that piece of paper? All right, let's get to work, you know? So uh, enough about my story, Sean, let's hear about your journey, man. I want to hear about your, your path to becoming a doctor of physical therapy. So I grew up in Chandler, Arizona, a suburb of Phoenix, and spent most of my life in the Arizona region, but I was born in Staten Island, New York. So I lived in Staten Island, New York till I was eight years old. My grandfather was a Navy Corps medic and ultimately retired out in Gilbert, Arizona. And that's where my mother and father. I got to know, are you a Mets fan or a Yankees fan? I grew up a Mets fan. Yeah, uh, let's go Mets. Game six. Uh, 86. So big Mets fan. Yeah, right there with you, man. Awesome. Actually, uh, became a a Diamondbacks fan, a lifelong Diamondbacks fan after they beat the Yankees. I can see that. I'm okay with that. (laughs) Anybody but the Yankees. Sorry, go on. Continue. But grew up in Chandler, Arizona, where I went to high school and pursued baseball. I, I was interested in baseball at the time. And uh, played a year before I was in an accident, which broke my arms and had a, a significant recovery from there. It took about a year to recover from the injuries. And from there, I went into the workforce, actually. So I worked a, a middle management job for a year or two at a company that made citrus-based cleaners, orange-based cleaners. And so they packed them in boxes. I was a shipping manager for a couple of years there and, and really just got my life back in terms of recovering from a major car accident and injury and had a passion for rehabilitation. That's where I really found my passion for rehabilitation. And in doing so, understood that further education was going to be necessary. So uh, being in my early to mid-20s, I started back into school and I started at a community college in the Maricopa District and pursued uh, my associates there. So it took me two and a half years to get my associates, $38 a credit, where I paid cash. And that's where I moved in to Arizona State University, a big, large state university that was the program which really filtered into the most of the physical therapy programs there. Yeah, so I think one of the things that, you know, we're going to talk about today for sure is that, you know, the pathway to getting your your licensure and your doctorate in physical therapy, you can take many pathways, but at the end of the day, we're finding now the debt to income ratio is is pretty brutal for physical therapists. So the the pathway that you choose may help you out in the longer run. And we'll talk about that a little later. From Arizona State University, I worked in a program to get into a program at NAU, Doctor of Physical Therapy program, which accepted at the time 72 students of the 1,100 applicants there. So it was, you know, to imagine having to grind through your undergrad to really find a, a way into a program was it's going to be a determination. It took quite a bit of determination yeah. to tell you that. Much. Now, was uh, was Tom McPoyle there when you were there? That was just the year before McPoyle left. So okay. we had Dr. Cornwall there and Tom McPoyle, but he went over to Regis University at the time. Gotcha. Yeah, he he gave the uh, um, kind of like a graduation dinner speech at our uh, university at East Carolina when we graduated. Really great guy. We loved, we loved hearing from him. So good yeah. program out there at NAU. So tell me a little bit about the decision-making process for you when you decided to start your journey, um, you know, 
what made you think, all right, I need to start a community college here and then take the next step and then the next step? But did you have the vision all in line or was it just like, I'm just going to run with this and see what happens? No, uh, I think growing up in the Phoenix region, being around the Arizona state, you, I, I knew I was going to be a Sun Devil. I think I grew up in a household where my mother and father both had a degree. So I knew that ultimately there was going to be a time when I was going to have to at least get an associate's or a, a bachelor's level degree where I could get a, a job and settle and have a family there. So that seemed like that was going to be a plan. And as you move on into your educational career, you'll see pathways that become enlightening and pathways that really impassion you and and rehabilitation became one of those and so not only just the sport and exercise but rehabilitation was really something that impassioned me through my experiences but through experiences of others and so I volunteered at a hospital I volunteered in a rehab center and you see these small gains and these big gains in patients and that was really the part that that inspired me to continue into the, the the doctor to physical therapy program into rehabilitation in itself. Yeah, I love that. So let's take it back to the beginning then. What you got your associates at the community college level, yep. right? What was that what did that entail? What what did you end up with an associates in? How did that work when you first started? So, I got an associates in science. I went to a number of different campuses, so the community college system out in Phoenix, Arizona is joined in a, in a way that I could go to one of three different campuses on site, whether it was 15 minutes away or just a half hour bus wide away. And they all allowed me to go to the different times and convenience to go to those schools. And then again, the affordability allowed me to just pay cash as I was going. And so that was really the ability that I had. I got it in a science. I took a lot of different courses from kinesiology to exercise science. Yeah, that's awesome. I took two summers worth of courses at Suffolk County Community College out there on Long Island, because I, again, was an English major and transitioning over to a physical therapy program. I didn't have a lot of the prerequisites. So took a lot of math in the summers at Suffolk County Community College. And I loved it. I mean, I had a great experience. You know, I, I whizzed through the classes, no problem. Like got, you know, got all the basic learning in and that I needed, got the, you know, courses done with, with, great grades, you know, and was able to put those toward my master's program at the time that I was applying for. Do you feel like, you know, I think, I mean, obviously there's a bunch of different associates degrees you can get. And one of them, obviously that would be helpful possibly is a two-year associates as a physical therapy assistant. That is an option. That is a pathway that's out there. But do you feel like you lost anything or that you missed out on anything from a, an educational perspective by attending a community college first? Absolutely not. I argue that I gained quite a bit in the sense that I took one and 200 level classes at the university that I ended up having to take to uh, fulfill my undergraduate degree, but it they were in stadium seating. So imagine I'm sitting in a 200 person stadium seat where I'm getting lectured as opposed to uh, the same class that I take where I'd have 30 of my colleagues there and, and a professor. So the communal aspect of it, the uh, smaller, more concentrated uh, professor to student ratio is it better in a, in a community college, I'd say, considering, you know, I'm sitting in a stadium with hundreds of students around me. And again, these are your competitors at the time now, right? you're <laughs> right. trying to get into a program. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I, I would agree with that. My summer courses at the community college were definitely small. I think the largest one I had was about 20, 20 students, something like that. Now, I experienced that again a lot at Wake Forest because it was a very small private school. I mean, there was 4,000 students total. So, I mean, it, you know, it was still a pretty small school. But I would imagine a lot of the state schools do have those bigger stadium type seating courses where it's like, you know, you're just a number. <laughs> you know, you better buckle up, learn your stuff and get, get good grades and move it on down the line, you know? So let's talk a little bit about the next step. So now you've got your associate's degree and now you're moving to Arizona State to finish out your bachelor's. What did you get your bachelor's in and what was that experience like? I got a bachelor's in kinesiology. So the science of human movement that's involved in uh, the neuro muscular, the skeletal system, and just even a physiological approach. So oh, you get a little bit of each of those different topics when you're, you're in kinesiology, just the normal human movement there. And so as I had already completed two years in the associates, I spent another two years getting my bachelor's. And in that, basically, it was just my 300 level courses. So it was more intense physiology, a little bit more intense human movement based in my studies. Yeah. And, you know, truth be told, I don't think that there's much difference in state school versus private school now that we're looking at a bachelor's degree. I mean, you know, yeah, there's some schools that may have stronger programs in one or or the other, you know, but certain private schools are known for, you know, their programs in in certain areas. But I I don't think personally, out of all my friends and and people that I've worked with through the years, I've noticed too much of a difference in in bachelor's level programs, a state school versus a private school. So, you know, again, had I to do it all over again, I probably would have stuck with the SUNY schools and just stayed in New York. And, you know, I would have had to tough out the winters, which is why I moved away really to begin with. But the price tag would have been a lot better had I stayed in, in the state of New York and, and gone to a SUNY school there, you know, did you feel like you missed out on anything there in the, in the state school preparation versus a private school or wasn't, I mean, it sounded like you had pretty much made up your mind. It was going to be Arizona state right off the bat. So, and it's a great school. So. Yep. I was, a, I mean, uh, growing up as a kid in Arizona, you have your teachers that come from one of two schools, either they're from the university of Arizona or Arizona state. And it was always a great rivalry Yeah, that, uh, Arizona State being just a few miles away from home was always just kind of where it was going to lie. It seemed yeah. like Wildcats versus Sun Devils. I know that's a pretty good rivalry out there, but for sure, both both really great state schools. So, were there any private schools in the area, you know, near you that that maybe piqued your interest or that you had heard of before? In terms of playing uh, some baseball, there was a Pepperdine. There's a school in, in oh, California yeah. where I had a little showcase there. And mm-hmm. uh, so uh, we had uh, some fun relations there. But other than that, it was really a, a, a sun devil all the way. Yeah. I also mentioned one thing you talked about is uh, associates in PTA. And that's it's a really good goal in terms of like having something that you can use immediately after getting a degree. So again, if you're looking at a degree in an associate's, even like a athletic training degree, which is associates moving towards a master's. But as soon as you have a degree like that, you can get to work. You can be on there and, and working in a field like that. You know, kinesiology, you have some outlets, but really you start to lean a little bit more on the uh, a, a graduate degree in exercise physiology or physical therapy, right? Right. So, you know, if you want to be right, uh, useful right out of the market, you want to start looking at, at degrees that associate with that as well. 
Exactly. Yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, you know, you could always go the English major route too, right? Then everything gets interesting and you really got to figure out how to, how to parlay yeah. that into a job, you know? And that's what actually pushed me into physical therapy was I didn't want to do anything with English. I was only an English major because my dad like was an English teacher for 30 years. He pushed me and my brother to read and write very early ages, very intense. We had read a lot of the classics by the time we got into high school. So we already knew them. I had fives on both my AP Englishes. So I, I passed, you know, I, I was able to opt out of two freshman English classes, which put me like further down the line for graduation. So, you know, English was never my calling. It was just something I was okay at, you know, I was pretty good at it. So that's the only reason I went there, but I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to write. I didn't want to edit. I didn't want to teach. So I didn't have a job coming out of college. You know, I didn't know what I was going to do. Luckily I volunteered at the hospital there and they put me into the PT department and I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. You know, I could do that. Like they're bouncing balloons around and playing with the patients and stuff. That looks fun, you know? And then I looked at the prereqs and I was like, Nope, Nope. Don't have that one. Nope. Don't have that one. Nope. 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 And I just realized, all right, well I'll graduate with my BA in English and then I'll start figuring out how to fill the gaps. And, and, and that's where I, you know, again, I went to state school for two years to get all my prereqs in and then, you know, it worked out in the end. So I can't really complain. So let's talk about now you graduate, you've got your BA in kinesiology and now you're off to, to PT school. What does that look like? Where, where, where did that culminate? And what did that, that program look like to you? What was that uh, layout like? So uh, getting ends intense, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in uh an application pool of anywhere from 1100, probably 800 qualified applicants. And so you want to do the best that you can in your studies. You want to make sure that you're dot your I's, cross your T's, you make sure everything's in on time. And, you know, it's the beginning of your essence into the bureaucratic system, right? Making sure you get everything in on time, making sure you maintain a good licensure. It's all involved in this from the, from the beginning. And so from there, you're trained to be a physical therapist. The NAU program in physical therapy was particularly the Flagstaff Mountain Campus is a, a group all its own, a cohort, about 48 of us that sat through a 33-month program at the time. I think they've shortened it since then. And you learn everything you can about physical therapy. And it's really just a a great time, almost like space camp for the human body. (laughs) Yeah, I I look back to my days and and I just like, I'm still friends with a lot of the students that went through the master's program with me at ECU. And then I think we were class of about, I don't know, maybe 30 or so, 35 maybe. And by the time we graduated with our master's and we're all licensed and then offered the transitional doctorate only about 10 or so stayed on for that transitional doctorate program. So we were right when it was starting to come out. Like you said, it's, it's an intense uh, bunch of months that you're all together and you're getting to, to know each other well, and you're getting all up in people's personal spaces and palpating and, you know, getting to, to know your, your partners and stuff. And uh, it's a, it is a pretty good time. It's tough. It's difficult, you know, sure it's is. stressful. But uh, at the same time, like I said, I still have a lot of relationships with some of the people I went through with. So I, I cherish those times and look back and thankfully never have to do them again, you know? Yep. Uh, so t- tell me a little bit about this then. So you graduate, you've got your doctorate in physical therapy now from NAU, you're getting ready to hit the job market. Did you graduate with any student loan debt? Did you have to take any student loans out through those times? I did. So I turned out with a, about an even 120,000, six, six figures. Yeah. 120 student loan. So that's all together between the state university and the DPT program. 
Yeah. And that's honestly not too bad nowadays. That's that's actually on the lower end from a lot of the people I'm, I'm working with now through my mastermind program and masterclass. And a lot of the people that I've been talking to, I've heard horror stories of 200, 250,000, even 300,000 in student loans. And again, as a physical therapist, if you're going to come out as a new grad making somewhere in the 65 to $85,000 range, I don't see how that $300,000 in student loan debt makes sense. You know, that debt to income ratio is brutal. So I think we have to make people aware of the different pathways to get there, you know, and, and different options that are out there, you know, and the, the fact that you were able to just pay cash for credits at the, the community college level, to me is a great start. And for me, the, the classes I took, like I said, I was able to really excel in them, you know, and, and get good grades. So that helped toward getting into a master's program or now a doctoral program. You know, I think that's a, a great stepping stone. I think it's a great first step. So Tell me a little bit now, you graduate, you've got your doctorate, you've got your license to practice, your first couple job interviews and stuff like that. Did anybody ask where you went to school or, you know, where you got your degrees from? Yes and no. The first thing they ask is, are you licensed yeah. and are you ready to practice? Where I live and I'm sure throughout the country, there's a, there's a huge demand right now for physical therapists for in the rehab community. So they're really looking for physical therapists that are licensed. So, you know, you, that means you've, like I said, you've crossed your I's, you've dotted your T's, you've shown that you can uh, practice in the, in the state that you've been licensed in. And so, you know, that's the first demonstrated skill, right? From there, they'll invite you for an interview, and that's where you, you really demonstrate your own skills. So nobody's really asking me where I go to school. Now, I, yeah. again, in a, in a state like Arizona, where you have one physical therapy program, <laughs> most of the people that go, uh, that come from there, uh, have, have, a, have a background. Yeah, it surely shines a little bit, but no, not, yeah. not at all. I'm, I'm remembering my first couple job interviews after I finished traveling. I traveled for about a year, year and a half right off the bat. But once I started settling down in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, I had about four or five job interviews and not one of them asked me where I went to school. Now, obviously it's on your resume. You know, if you submit a resume, it has all your schooling and background on there. So they can easily look at that if they want, but the conversation never came up. And, and truth be told, I, I don't think anybody even ever talked about it until about a year in when I was applying for a manager position. So like kind of a step up and a pay grade raise the, the woman that was interviewing me had gone to East Carolina University. So it was like a neat little alumni connection. But other than that, and I, I did get the job, but I don't think it was because I went to East Carolina. I think it was just a neat little commonality that we had. And we just kind of, you know, talked about the program a little and then moved on. But other than that, in the other five interviews, I, I can't think of once that that came up, you know, where I went to school. It was just like, all right, great. You're licensed. Okay, great. Let's talk about, uh, you know, what we're looking for. And, you know, that was pretty much it. Overall, if you had it to do over again, would you have done it any differently? Is there anything you would have changed? Or were you pretty happy overall with the outcome? Well, I'm definitely happy with the outcome. I'll say yeah. that much. But if there was things I change, again, I think I mentioned it earlier in the fact that I would qualify, make sure my degrees had something that, that would be a directly applicable yeah. as soon as I had it, right? So you mentioned a, an associate's in PTA. That'd be a great degree to get and have be directly applicable right into the rehab community. If you wanted to move on to a degree in athletic training or even something of that like where you can then go right onto the field and use utilize that and then just have directly utilized your degree. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And again, some people stop at the associate's degree and just work as physical therapy assistants for the rest of their life. And that's totally fine. Like I, I've had 
PTAs that were great and they love their job, you know, but if you want to parlay it into a DPT, that is one path I think that you could take is to start out as an associates with a physical therapy assistant degree, you know, or like you said, an athletic trainer, something that's related. I definitely wouldn't recommend uh, going the English major route unless you also took some courses in science and math that supplemented it that, you know, were the prerequisites that the schools you're going to apply for are looking for. Because like I said, it was a, not a very straight, narrow path for me to get into PT school. So had I to do it all over again, I would just recommend, like you said, take courses that are specific to the physical therapy realm, because that'll help you in the long run. You could still be an English major, but definitely take the courses, the prereqs that you need to get in. But yeah. Like definitely fi- find your passion and just run with it like that. Yeah. Find where it is and really engulf yourself in those courses, make them directly applicable to your life. Yeah. Again, I think part of being an English major is one of the things that actually might've helped me get into PT school. Cause I was kind of an oddball. And, you know, during the inter- interview process, that was a cool thing to kind of talk about. Everybody's like bio major, kinesiology major, exercise phys major, bio major, kinesiology, exercise phys. And they just keep hearing that all day. And I think when the English major comes, the record kind of scratches, you know, and everybody turns and looks and like, who is this guy, you know, but it, it was yep. a good talking point for interviews. So that was, that was fun. Well, Sean, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to just come on and talk about your experience and stuff like that. And and just letting people know of a pretty cool pathway to to getting to be a doctor of physical therapy. We ask all of our our guests on the show one final question. If you could change one aspect of of higher education, whether it be DPT or or otherwise, what aspect would you change and how would you change it? Um, Let's think here. I would, what would I change in higher education? Mm-hmm. I'd like try and break down as many barriers as I could between clinical application and research theory. Yeah. So I think uh, a lot of the physical therapy association is really working well in terms of providing really good resources in terms of allowing our clinicians to find some good stuff to practice with. Again, in terms of some of the research where it gets a little bit dense, we just making it prevalent, making it a big, broad stance and uh, making it open for everybody. So, I mean, just break down barriers. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a good one. I think, you know, break down barriers. Yeah. We think of academia, a lot of times we refer to it as the ivory tower, right? And then we get out to the, the clinical world and the CIs, the clinical instructors out there, you know, that are trying to teach these students. And I think we see a little bit of a disconnect between academia and clinical. And, you know, like you said, if we could just break down a couple of those barriers, there'd be a smoother connection, I think, and a smoother transition from school world to clinical world, and then eventually into real life. You know, I think that's where we need to keep the, the flow going, so to speak, you know, the flow state. So no, I love it. It's a great one. Well, Sean, can I ask you where my audience can find you if they have further questions about your journey or just want to follow up with you and see what you're up to? Uh, where can they find you on social media or email address or anything like that? Sean Clavel. Just yeah, Google me, find me uh, at Sean Clavel, Sean.Clavel, Sean.Clavel at gmail.com. Just you'll see me anywhere. Awesome. And we'll put the, those links in the show notes there. Sean, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and, and share your story with the audience. I hope that, you know, a lot of the pre-PTs that, that listen to the show and that are interested will kind of take this advice and think about, you know, their pathway and, and what makes the most sense for them. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Study hard and go human movement. Yes. Right, keep moving.
Access to healthcare is one of the largest issues facing both providers and patients, as millions of people worldwide lack timely and affordable access to healthcare. Anywhere Healthcare, a telehealth platform, is a simple, low-cost option for providers and patients that eliminates the barriers to access to all kinds of healthcare. To find out more, check out anywhere.healthcare, which is available on our show notes. And if you use the code HET in all caps when you email to sign up, you'll save 25% off the total cost. Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, healthcareeducationtransformationpodcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.